0: I want to thank uh, Jesse and Carol for taking my sermon today. <laughs> they did awesome. That was really good. I was uh, walking this morning in the hallway and in, in the foyer, and someone said, "Are you preaching again?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Actually, you guys are going to be witnessing history today. is is uh, This is my first time ever in in ministry that I've done two sermons in a row. So, uh, <laughs> you guys are witnessing history right here today. So. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn them and uh, open up to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to be talking about Ruth and and Naomi today, as as you can kind of tell from the the song that they just sang. And um, if you've been here with us the past few weeks, again, we've been going through the story, this kind of like in this narrative from from Genesis to Revelation, and today we're continuing... Uh, that that's the story in the book of Ruth. And you're going to notice as like, as you guys do your reading this morning in your story, in your story books, you're going to start to notice this like co- coherency happening within the Bible. And you're going to be like, this, this Bible is truly incredible. If you didn't already know that, is like, you're going to read it and, and all the books in the Bible are, 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 are perfectly placed and, and, and they all perfectly line up and they're, they're, they're a story. And you're going to start to notice that this week as you read through the, the book of Ruth and and I, like I said, it's one of the things I believe that is so incredible about the, 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 the Bible. And the, like the other crazy thing about this is like, like they're all written by different writers. And yet they all, they all mess. They all go together. And so this week we've, we've come um, to this book that's kind of stuck right in the middle of the Old Testament. It's the, it's the book of Ruth. And, and something you have to know about Ruth, if you don't already know, is Ruth is not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. Ruth isn't even of the people of God. She's not even an Israelite, right? She's, she's, and, and yet here's this book. She's not even an Israelite. She's not even of the people of God, and yet she's stuck right here in the middle of the Old Testament. It's, it's an incredible story. We're going we're gonna to talk about it today. Um, but, and and I, f- first, I want to encourage you guys, stick with me. I'm going to talk about baseball for a minute. I mean, it only seems <laughs> seems natural. Two weeks in a row, I haven't talked about baseball. Um, so just kind of stick with me for a moment. And um, so I, I'm not sure if you're, if everyone at least familiar with the baseball team, the Los Angeles Dodgers? Okay so some of yeah, you okay some of you so there is this baseball team major league baseball team the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, last year uh, they had this this player on the team his name is Yasiel Puig and if you're you're any kind of sports fan at all you've heard of Yasiel Puig and and he's an incredible player he's young um, he's got an incredible bat. He's a great player. He's got a cannon for an arm. I don't know if you've ever seen like some of the replays on SportsCenter. The guy stands out in center field and throws guys out from center field at home plate as they're trying to score runs. The guy is impressive. But but the, the thing that is most impressive about Yasiel Puig is not so much his his baseball, which, by the way, is incredible. He's an awesome player. But the thing that is most incredible at Yasiel Puig is, is his story. Uh, last year, I heard a, about a, a Hollywood group. They were going to pick up his, his story and they're going to make it into uh, a Hollywood movie. And, uh, as they, and, it's, and the movie's going to be all about his journey from Cuba into the United States. And the movie's going to be called Escape from Cuba. It's, it's an incredibly remarkable story. And like, not all the details are, all, are out about it, but here's what we do know about the movie. And it, it includes the following things. It includes hunger, Thirst, captivity, torture, the drug cartel, ransom, bribery, and even threats to please life. This, this is, what is it that would make a person leave their home country, their homeland, uh, with very little, that they would leave everything they're familiar with and come to a land they do not yet know? Why would you, why would you get on a boat In the open sea, risk life and death. I mean, I served in the Coast Guard for 10 years. You wouldn't believe the things that people come up with to get over to to Miami. It's unbelievable. Why would people risk uh, climbing a fence or getting shot to come into a different country? Why would you do that? And I think the answer is pretty easy, right? It's easy because you would say the life that I have right now it's not so good. And I know if I if I try to leave, if I try to escape, I'll at least know my dreams and, and, and my, my my I'm trying to go after a better life. I know at least I have a shot at coming to a new land. Now I do realize that Yasia Puig left Cuba earning seventeen dollars a day to now making a measly forty two million dollars a year. I do understand that. But the truth is that doesn't happen for everyone. Right? That that's just that's not that's not how it works. You know, growing up, one of my favorite movies was a, was a cartoon about a, a mouse. Some of you may be familiar with this. It probably dates me a little bit. It's about a mouse named Fifel. It was one of my absolute favorite movies. The movie is called American Tear. And, and Feifel, he's a little mouse. He would, he would talk about going to America. And he would say, in America, the streets are paved with cheese. <laughs> Fifel has hopes and dreams of leaving the land he's in hopes of finding a better life in another land, and in this case, America. The story of Ruth is a great story. It's about two immigrants, and their names are Ruth and Naomi. And this is such an important story in the Bible, and the reason is, is because according to the Bible, Naomi married a guy named Elimelech. And eventually, a famine has come into the land of Israel. Elimelech takes Naomi to, to Moab, and, and you have to understand, they're both hebrew born. And you have to understand too, Moab is a bad, dark place. It is not a place you want to go to at night. And I'm not even sure you want to go there during the day. It's said that they they worship pagan gods. I was reading, I'm studying up a little bit about Moab for, for today. And it is said that they did human sacrifices. And in even some cases, they would sacrifice children. So it is a bad, dark place. You don't want to go there. And here in the United States, we have a hard time believing that God would send harm to anybody. When when we watch the news, right? They kind of strike down anyone who says like uh, like like anyone who believes that that kind of thinking, and that's and that's because they don't understand something. They don't understand the holiness of God. The the reality is though is that we've we've seen this cycle. If you've been following along in 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 your story Bibles, you know we've seen this cycle numerous times throughout the Old Testament, and we talked about this a little bit last week, right? God blesses those, and those blessings become distractions. Then, beca- then God becomes an inconvenience to us. God gave the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey, and the milk and honey have now become a distraction. Like I said last week, we're a lot like this. So much so, I guarantee some of you, you didn't pray because you'd rather watch TV or go to the movies. So much so that, that for some of you, you don't read your Bibles because there's somewhere, pl- somewhere better to be. There's a better place to be than read your Bible. Maybe maybe there's a better place to be like the mall or a friend's house and sometimes we don't really want it. We sometimes we don't even want to be here in this room on Sunday mornings, right? If if we all really kind of like searched and asked ourselves, some of us don't really want to be here because God has become an inconvenience because he's blessed your life so much. All of these things in our lives that are blessings that, that God, everything that God has given us, they're blessings. Uh, and rather than um, honoring God, those blessings have become distractions. Until we get to the point where God actually becomes an inconvenience. And some of us feel like we just don't have to do anything at all anymore. Why do I have to serve the church? But when that happens in the life of God's people, guess what he does? He sends calamity, right? He sends calamity and chaos and destruction because maybe calamity will, will, will somehow make his people turn back to him, right? We saw that a lot after 9-11, right? Our churches were filled to the brim, right? And, and he hopes that people after that calamity will come to him in, 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 the, in, in repentance so he can give blessings upon them again. God is, is not an enabler. He'll do the same exact thing in your life and in mine. The best thing you can do when God sends calamity in your life is humble yourselves and not run from it. If you run from it, things will just get worse. That's exactly what happens to Elimelech and Naomi in their life. They run to Moab to escape this famine that's happening. They run to, they run to, to Moab who, re, who remember, um, are grave enemies with the Israelites and, and all this demonic worship is happening down in Moab. And Elimelech is somewhere along the, uh, has along the way somehow lost himself. In the first chapter, we read that Elimelech and Naomi go into Moab. They have two sons, but there's some confusion because the sons' names are Malahon and Kilion. And those, are, and those are Canaanite names. For Naomi, who was, who was Hebrew-born, and Elimelech, who was also Hebrew-born, they have two sons, and they've, and they've given them Canaanite names. The two worst enemies of the Israelites were the Moabites and the Canaanites. There's a little bit of confusion going on, right? Elimelech, I'm going to try to clear up the, the confusion. Elimelech was probably more than likely married to more than one wife. Naomi wasn't his only wife. And Naomi is now raising the kids. He takes Naomi. He goes to Moab. And in Moab, the very thing he was trying to get away from happens to them. They, they find tremendous poverty. They, they have to sell all their property back to Israel to make ends meet. And, 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 and ends don't meet when they do that. And eventually they find, they're, 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 they find themselves in poverty and, and ultimately death. And I believe this is where the story gets, gets really sad. Because now we find, find Naomi and she's by herself. Her sons have died. Her husband has died. they sold all her property. She's got nothing left. She has no land. She's in exile with, with, with no husband, no hope, no future, no land. And Naomi, and Naomi is old, which means no one's going to marry her. And not because she's not attractive. Because back then you got married to, to produce, to have kids. Right? You married to expand your family name, to, to expand your territory, to produce sons and daughters, to, to, to farm the land. Be glad you're not a, a kid today because you'd be farming the land. Your significance, is tied for, your, your significance is tied to the size of your family and the size of your property. Aren't you glad we Americans don't live this way? Where our significance would never be tied to how much money we have? I'm being a little sarcastic if you can't tell. Our significance wouldn't be tied to how, how big our house is or, or what social circles we run in. And so, and so Naomi can no longer give any of that to, to a man. She's as good as dead. No husbands, no sons, no family. But we open up to, to Ruth 1, uh, at verse 6, and there seems to be like some kind of change, some kind of a change, a glimmer of hope happens. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from them. Here's what happened, I believe. Israel repented about the calamity, about the chaos, right? They, they repented. God blessed them and returned, returned food to them. The, the, uh, the famine was over. Naomi hears about it and says, I'm going to go home. I've, I've got nothing to lose. I'm, I might as well just go home. When she decides to go home, she, she leaves Moab back to her home country. Her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, want to go with her. And so they follow her out to the road, and Naomi says, Nope, she says, No, go back. You have no future here. She says, Go back. She, she, loves, her daughter, she loves her daughters, but she tells them, No, go back. May the Lord show you kindness, she says. May you have a husband. May you have a family. May you, may you marry. May you have everything in life that gives you significance. And, 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 they, and they kiss her goodbye, and they weep. The truth is, Naomi knew that this was a bad move for Orpah or, and Ruth to follow her into Israel. They are both Moabite women. They're not Hebrew by birth. Moabite women who come into Israel will more than likely be raped, tortured, enslaved, possibly death. They won't be humbly accepted, and Naomi knows this. If, if this were to happen, it would be like uh, an Alabama football team dressing up in all their Alabama hat and shirts and, and going into, the, into an Auburn football game and sitting in the bleachers. <laughs> Not a good idea. Those Auburn fans are rough too. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi says this to her daughter, Ruth 1, 11 through 13. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and they gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Naomi is going home to die. She's got nothing left. No land, no money, no husbands, no sons. She just wants to go home and die. There's only four ways she could possibly survive, I believe, at this point. She can work in the fields, but she's too old. She could get married, but no one's going to marry a woman whose childbearing days are over. Her children could support her, but both of her children have died back in Moab. Or she could rent the land she owned, but her land is gone. She had to sell it to make ends meet. I think the big question today is this: how do we get from Ruth 113 where it says, It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand is turned against me? How do we get from that to, to Ruth chapter 4 and 14 through 17, where it says this? It says, The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. I want you to remember that part, the guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. How does, how does all of that happen? And how can Naomi, who's too old to bear children, whose childbearing days are over, now have a son? How do we get to a point when she first went back into Israel uh, and all her friends said, you know, she went back in Israel and all her friends said, they said, Naomi, you're, you're back. And she said, don't call me that. I've changed my name. And her new name now means bitterness. How do we go from chapter one where, where all this is happening to chapter four? How do you get from, from, from that to our key verse, Ruth four fourteen? The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who is this day, has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. She does that because in this story there are three redeemers. Three guardian redeemers, I believe. And that's what I want to focus on for the rest of our time together. The three redeemers. The first one is Boaz. We haven't met him yet, but this story is is so powerful that when Ruth comes back, remember Orpah stays, right? Ruth follows Naomi, and when they get there, they realize they are back in Israel. They've got, they've got nothing. So Ruth decides to start, to start gleaning. Now, if you don't know what gleaning is, it's, it's this Jewish law where it says you've got, where the farmers have to leave 10% of the edges of the fields for the, for the poor people to get so they can harvest that, 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 uh, that grain. So, so the poor people, they could come and, and collect the wheat and the barley for survival if needed. And, and that was kind of the Jewish law back then. Ruth is saying she is going to go and glean and try and get some food for survival. There's a problem, though. Ruth, Ruth is not in Israel. She, she's a Moabite. As soon as the men who are harvesting in an Israelite field, they see, they, they'll see a woman from Moab, they're more than likely going to kill her. And if they don't kill her, they'll, they'll probably rape her or they'll abuse her or enslave her. For a while, but eventually it would probably lead to death. It's a no-win situation for anyone. She's she's taking her life into her own hands, going out into the fields to glean. And yet, in Ruth two, we read this. and And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, "Let me go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor." Naomi said to her, "Go ahead, my daughter." So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. There's a relative of Naomi. There's some hope, right? There's a relative of Naomi, um, and he owns a field, and he was related to her husband, Elimelech. His name is Boaz, and it just so happens that the field that Ruth ends up in is, is him. It, like, it, it's a family member. God is able to, and I want you to, to know something about just, just how this kind of story all works together. Know that God is able to be involved in every detail of your life, mm-hmm. while at the same time being completely involved in billions of other people's lives around the world, right? And so, and so God created, God created time. In space and he created everything he can be fully and completely involved in every detail of your life and every other person's life, past, present, and future. That's how big God is. So if God can lead Ruth to a field, possibly where she where she can be redeemed, he can do that. Boaz sees this this new girl though, and and he sees this new girl gleaning in his land. And at this point you would expect him to go to his maids and say, Hey, who's that? who's that hot-looking girl over there, right? You would expect him to say that. She's, she's kind of cute, right? He doesn't do that, though, because he knows if, 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 uh, if she goes anywhere else, she'll probably be killed. If she goes to any other field. Ruth 2, 8 through 9 says this. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have, to, I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever, and whenever you are thirsty, go and, and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Boaz tells Ruth, harvest the good stuff. You can harvest right here. My men will take care of you. They, they're not going to lay a hand on you. You're safe here. Boaz says, my men will meet your thirst. She's so filled with joy, and she's, she's overwhelmed at this news, but that someone who has, her status to, to, has that status to enslave her, that she runs home to Naomi. Remember, she doesn't have the gleanings around the edges anymore, right? She's got the good stuff, right? This is like going into a butcher shop and like sweeping up the leftovers on the floor, right? She's got the rack of lamb, like in the freezer now. Ruth goes home to Naomi, and this is what she says to, in Ruth 2.20. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the, and the dead, she added. The, the, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Here's how awesome God is. He's also a generous God. He wants families to stay together. And, and there's a provision in, in Levitical law that says, if one of these families loses their land... I want to make two, and, and God says, I want to make two provisions about this. He says, he says, and, and I believe he makes these provisions because God knows how important families are. And God says, whether you lose your land from, from bad management or, or maybe a bad poker game went wrong or something a few years back, but every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, all the land would go back to its original owner. That way families could stay together. If, if you were a son-in-law and your parents mismanaged the land and they lost it, as, the, as a year of Jubilee, as a son or a daughter, you could go, go get the land back and have a second chance. That's our God, right? The God of second chances. Amen. The other provision is that, is that if, you, if you didn't want to wait 50 years, that's a long time, right? You could, buy back the, you could buy back the family land, but it could only be bought back by somebody that was related to the family. So your Uncle Tom could be like, hey, my family lost my land a few years back. Uh, so I'm going I'm to buy it back. And now, and now all of a sudden you have hopes and dreams of a, of a future. You have a second chance. So you can imagine Naomi's reaction. She hears that Ruth attempted to glean on Boaz's land. And she's like, I forgot about, I forgot about El- Elimelech was related to Boaz. I forgot about We didn't really like him then, but I like him now. He's awesome, <laughs> right? Like, He's great. Naomi, Naomi now feels like she's getting her life back together. If Boaz is going to, to serve them as, as a guardian redeemer, as it says in Ruth 4.15, it's, it's going to cost him a lot. It's going to be an enormous cost. He'll have to buy back the land, which will probably more than likely put him back into debt. Yet Naomi's family will not be fully restored because there are no heirs to pass on the land onto. Her sons died back in Moab, remember. The other thing he could do was, was bury the last member of the family, and then, and then she could produce children to create heirs. But the problem is that, is that the last member of the family is Naomi, and she's too old to produce children. Her her, her days of childbearing are over. And if Boaz does marry Naomi, that means all of the, the his treasures and property and land. Would go to Naomi to Naomi's dead sons, which means ultimately when he, when he dies, it would go back to the to the state, right? What kind of man would, would do that? They wouldn't. There's another option though. He could marry Ruth. Levitical code actually allowed him to marry Ruth, the daughter-in-law. That, that would give Naomi her life back. Because she would have grandchildren, and 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 the grandchildren would become her heirs. The next The next thing that happens, it doesn't happen very often, especially in the United States. But Ruth finds out where Boaz is sleeping in the middle of the night. She goes and uncovers his feet and puts her her head on his ankles. Ruth 3, 8 through 9 says this. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Ruth is proposing to Boaz. She's saying, Take me to be your husband, uh, my provider, redeem me. I remember when Lindsay begged me to marry her, it went a lot like that. It was it was weird, but I said yes, no. Not really. <laughs> Ruth three three nine says this spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. To show you that Boaz is already, and just to show you that Boaz, he's more than ready for marriage. Ruth 3.11 says, I will do for you, I will do for you all you ask. That man is ready for marriage. (laughs) Boaz ends up doing two things. First thing he does is he takes all the debt and and gives Naomi and Ruth their, their lives back. It's a it's a kind of a rags to riches story because remember Levitical code says that everything that Boaz has now goes to, to Naomi and her family and to Ruth. All this wealth becomes hers legally automata- legally immediately and automatically. And there's a second redeemer in this story. And I want you to notice something. The book that we're going through, the book that you're going to read through this week, it's not called it's not called the book of Moab. It's not called the book of Boaz. It's the book of Ruth. When Naomi leaves to go to Moab to go back to Israel, Orpah and Ruth come with her. Remember Naomi? Remember Naomi says to Ruth, don't, don't do this. Uh, she says, don't do this. Your life is back in, your life is back in Moab. You can find a husband there. You can have children. You can have land. You can, every, you can have everything that gives you significance there, but don't go with me. Be, but if you go with me to Israel, you're probably not going to last a day. She didn't want it. She encouraged her not to go. Listen to Ruth's response, Ruth 1, 16 through 17. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Isn't it true that when, we leave, when, when you leave your land, you expect the land you're going to to be better than the land that you're already in? That's, that's why you leave, right? That's why Yasiel Puig left. That's why so many Cubans every year risk their lives on a boat to come to the United States. Because you expect that land to be better. That's why you leave. Ruth says to Naomi here, "I'm leaving and going with you, and I know I it to, and I expect it to be worse for me." Ruth does this because I believe she's grown to love Naomi. Maybe Ruth, maybe Ruth saw Naomi's resolve during the time when she lost her husband and when she lost her, her children. Maybe she saw how powerful Naomi's God was to sustain her through, through some of the darkest days of her life even in a place like Moab. Naomi has brought the God of Israel into Ruth's life, and Ruth has a difficult choice to make at this point. She can leave Moab, all the, all the potential and all the material things, or she, or, or she can stay in Moab and live a life of significance and never know the God of Israel the way that God is meant to be known. Ruth has got a choice to make. And some of you today in this room, you need to get out of Moab. Moab is filled with darkness. Ruth knows she's not strong enough to stay. Every day she stays will we'll, we'll just kill her spiritually. She would rather live in Israel with God than without, than, and without the material possessions than in Moab. With material possessions, but never knowing God. Everybody in this room has a Moab. For some of you, you're in a relationship and it's sucking you dry. And day after day, the influence on you is taking you further and further away from God and more and more into stuff that doesn't matter. For some of you, it's a job. For some of you, it's it's the community in which you live, a club in which you belong to. And your biggest fear is that if, if you don't run in your, your, your social circle, you're not gonna have the possessions, the material wealth, your money. And what I'm saying to you is that the Bible says make a choice. It's better for you to lose the things than to gain your soul than it is to gain the whole world and lose your eternity. You've got to decide. Sometimes it's a relationship sometimes it's a church, and I pray to God it's not this church. sometimes it's even a church though sometimes it's even a family member sometimes men and this is sad, but you've you've got a, you've got your your mom and she may be, be with, belittle your wife men, your first protection is to your wife and children. love your wife, love your kids, protect them maybe you don't need. To move completely out of Moab? But you need to not spend so much time there. For all of you, it's something, and you have got to make a choice. Ruth makes a choice. She knows if she goes with Naomi, there's a chance Naomi will not die. She knows if she stays in Moab, Naomi will most likely die, and Ruth herself will die a spiritual death and will never know the God of Israel. If Naomi is going to have a life, Ruth is going to have to give up hers. If Naomi is going to have a home, a family, land, Ruth is going to have to give all that up. Ruth goes with Naomi and gives all that up. Naomi becomes rich. Ruth loses herself. Naomi finds herself. Ruth suffers outside the gate and becomes and, and because the suffer and because... Because she suffers outside of her home. Naomi is, is welcome back in in. Naomi has been redeemed. There's a third redeemer in the story, and I believe the most important one. And you have to understand it. You don't want to miss it. God is a generous God. He is generous to you. He expects He expect you, He expects you to be generous to others. He gives you mercy, so you show mercy. He inconveniences himself so that you can inconvenience yourself for somebody else. When you come and stand before God, he does not want you to have an an empty hand. Not not good works, understand, but hopefully you'll be holding holding someone else's hand. Someone that you've brought through Christ through a relationship or a friendship. Jesus says, we are all all to be fishers of men. You know, I'm... I'm glad that you guys are, are here on Sunday mornings and, and I, I'm humbled that, that you guys are so inspired by the words that me and John stand up here and, and speak every single week. But the truth is, our words and our messages won't change your lives. What really will change your life is, 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 or what will change somebody else's life is the investment you make into somebody else's life, into other people's lives. You know, when I was in Bible college, I, I, had, I had some great... Uh, professors but just because they taught me things didn't transform me I learned more from one of my best friends that I met while serving in the Coast Guard than I've learned from so many other people and, and, my, and my buddy Mike and, and he showed me how to, how to live life he showed me how to treat people he showed me how to love my family he showed me how to love God more than anyone else I know it wasn't because of a sermon or a lesson I learned in Bible college. It was because of a relationship. Ruth says to Naomi, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you stay, I'll stay. I'll die with you if you die. Is there somebody in your life that you would say that to? And if not, why? Whose life are you changing for for who are you inconveniencing yourself to invest in somebody for the sake that in the cause of Jesus Christ? You know this was so. This is such an important topic. We've been talking about this in, in our in our elders meetings. Investing in other people's lives. Ruth and Naomi transformed one another. Naomi showed, showed Ruth her God. Ruth sacrificed her life, Same, so Naomi may have one. The story ends at, the, at Ruth 4.13, says this, So Boaz took Ruth. She, she became his wife. When, when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. The hymn hymn at the end of, of verse 15 is not referring to Boaz, right? Ruth doesn't give birth to Boaz. That can't happen. She marries him. She gives birth to somebody else, Obed, Obed, who's the grandfather of David, King David, through whom the Messiah comes. Do you see who this book is really about? This is so incredible. Like, this is so important for you to understand. A a book written hundreds of years before Jesus was to be born. And it's all about him. Look at the Redeemer's Boaz. He removes all of Naomi's debt and all of his wealth becomes Ruth and Naomi's. Does this remind you of someone? Ruth. She leaves her home goes to a a distant land knowing her life will be worse, but trusting for it will be better. Does this remind you of someone? Does this remind you of somebody who left everything he had to come here, knowing that his life here would be worse because he's going to die for you? But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so that he would be seated on the right hand of the father and you and I would be redeemed. And everything that we've lost, everything is replaced because the king, when when, when he comes into his kingdom, all his wealth becomes yours. The book of Ruth, do you see why she's included in the genealogy of Jesus? Jesus is our guardian redeemer. When you leave Moab and you come to him, everything you've lost there will be replaced. I don't know what I don't know what more to say to to convince you, but some of you have got to get out of Moab. You've been there far too long, but you're afraid. You're afraid to go to a new land because you're afraid if you leave this place, this new land will be not as good. But because Jesus left his home and died for you, here's what he tells you. Everybody in the room wants a good life, but you're settling for, for, for far too less. God wants you to give you a great life. But that'll only happen when you leave the security of Moab and you you give your heart and soul and immerse yourself into into the God of Israel as Ruth was willing to do as she did. She left behind the things that gave her security in order to gain the God who would give her all things. The reason some of you have have one foot in the world and and one foot in the kingdom is because you don't fully trust that God is going to take care of you and watch after you. You don't fully trust that if you leave Moab completely and come to Israel, that God will supply all your needs. As long as you do that, you will never know the God who loves to provide. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, uh, God, you are so awesome. And we thank you so much for the book of Ruth. And God, I know there are people in this room today who are in Moab. And God, I pray that they will boldly and and courageously step out. God, you you are a redeeming God, and you showed us that through the book of Ruth, through Boaz, and through and through Ruth. And God, as just as we get ready for our response time, I pray that there are that people who are courageous will come forward and and know you this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now it's time to go. And as you go, remember the book of Ruth is really about a book about three redeemers. Boaz, Ruth, and Jesus. We are all called to live like, lives like these three, sacrificing for others. But in order to live lives like, like that, we must come out of Moab. I want to encourage you this week to keep reading your, your storybooks. If last week's week, like last week read, reading I told you it was a man's book. It was like about like uh, it was just a man's book, lots of blood and war and it was great. This book of Ruth is not like that at all. <coughs> Complete opposite. It's it's not like a Rambo movie at all. It's it is however still a great uh, still a great book filled with heartbreak, redemption, family, caring, love and kindness. Have a great week.